Again, I'm Tish Hayes. I'm one of the librarians here. I'm Natalie Hall. I am the Library Technical Services Coordinator, so I work in the library. And when I'm not working, I'm also a classically trained professional cellist. My name is Tommy Hensel. I am the director of the Fine and Performing Arts Center here at Moraine Valley. Tamara Coleman-Hill, I'm assistant professor of English here at the college. And we are going to spend the next 15 minutes talking to you about Hamilton. Um, we, every year, pick a one book that is exciting in and of itself, like a great piece of literature or some incredible insight, insightful piece of uh, work that's going to you know, change students' lives um, and has themes that connect across the curriculum. So we're looking for things that have broad appeal and can connect to things like math and English and all of the sciences. So it's, it's a pretty tough thing to do, to come up with one book that's gonna cover everything. And so this year, we knew that we wanted to talk about the election coming up, some of the issues that we knew would be addressed within the election. And so we were bouncing ideas, political, political books, um, memoirs, uh, nothing was really sticking for us. So one day, Natalie and I, my colleague, we were in the kitchen and we were raving to each other about this incredible new musical that we were listening to. Um, I am not someone who listens to musicals, just on the regular, um, but someone had recommended Hamilton the Musical to me. I listened to it on Spotify and became obsessed. And so we were just going back and forth about how it was the smartest thing we had ever heard. The lyrics were brilliant, um, just the language was super smart, plus it made us interested in history and neither one of us were people who were also prone to like pick up books or biographies about our founding fathers. <laughs> so it was really super thrilling having this conversation. Um, and then we were talking about how all of the social issues it connected with from immigration to um, the Black Lives Matter movement. And then all of a sudden, Natalie's like, what if this was our one book? Mind blown. It was an exciting moment. I know for you guys, it, it is the one book, so maybe not <laughs> as mind blowing. Um, so I wanna show you a brief clip of why, one of the reasons why we think it's mind blowing, and then really jump into like sorting this out. Like we recognized it as mind blowing. Why might you, why might other students on campus um, find it valuable um, in thinking about it as our one book. Okay, so we're gonna watch the Grammy performance. Okay, so I guess the big question is, why is this musical about a historical figure, our founding father, Alexander Hamilton, so popular? Why is it huge on Broadway, huge, and crossing just, um, not just Broadway's fans, but fans out in, in the general public. What's so big about it? And Tommy, can you start us off with that? Okay, so, <coughs> so I'm gonna start off with a sort of a different take on some of it. The, it's, a, it's an astonishing musical, but if you take it apart, all the individual pieces of it are not new. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda is extremely intelligent and was trained in the musical theater. He went to theater when he was young went to college for theater. So he understands the history of the American musical theater. So I'm gonna touch quickly on some of the things uh, that are not new about Hamilton, uh, but the way he puts them together are new. So for instance, um, 
the concept of the structure of this musical really is tied to the tradition of traditional American theater. Uh, most people trace sort of the shift in musicals to Oklahoma in 1943 where we finally see a musical for the first time where the songs are integrated into the plot in such a way that if you removed the songs, the plot would make no sense at all. Before that, songs were just thrown into musicals kind of for extra fun sometimes, but you could remove them and the plot would still be there. So he's drawing on a very long tradition of musical theater history in how he's constructed this show. He's integrated the lyrics so much into the plot that the songs become absolutely vital, and the dancing too, to the show. So that piece is not new, uh, but it's, it's coming from a very strong background. Uh, also, Broadway has a long history of musicals about political issues. So it's not the first time that we've seen a political musical. For instance, uh, going back as far as Fiorello in 1959, uh, 1776, which is the other musical about the American Revolution in 1969, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, Evita, um, Assassins, and most recently a show called Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson that was on Broadway just a few years ago. Again, uh, strong musicals about political subjects. So that's not new. Music Musicals about social issues go all the way back to the beginning. We look at Showboat in the 1920s, Porgy and Bess in the 1930s, uh, and then all the way up through, uh, we see all sorts of musicals that address very powerful socio-political issues. So again, that is not new. Uh, it's something that he's drawing on. Um, also, the concept of using popular music. A lot of people have talked about how exciting it is, and it is exciting the way that he's used um, hip-hop and rap and all sorts of musical styles, but that, again, is not new. Let's look at Hair from the late 1960s, Jesus Christ Superstar, um, Rent in the 1990s, and then just about eight years ago, his own work in The Heights, again, using rap and, lat and Latin music uh, in the context of a musical. So these things are all not new. But what happens is that he takes all of these things and he puts them together in a very different way than anybody else has had because nobody else has taken all of these and applied them to a musical about a real historical person and about real history. So just briefly, uh, there are some very specific musicals that he has talked about in his writing, but also if you analyze Hamilton that you will see that he has pulled information from. Uh, one of them that may not be so obvious is the musical South Pacific. Um, South Pacific was groundbreaking as a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical because it addressed the concept of systemic racism at a time in the country when that was a taboo subject to talk about. And the most powerful song from the South Pacific score is a song called We've Got to Be Carefully Taught, which is a song about racism. And if you know Hamilton at all, that's the direct quote that Aaron Burr says to Alexander Hamilton in this score, you've got to be carefully taught um, if you talk too much you'll be shot or something, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but it's a direct quote from South Pacific. So M Miranda understood that he needed to address the concept of systemic racism, uh, and I think that comes from South Pacific. Uh, also, uh, he owes a great debt, and he's talked about this to two uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals, Jesus Christ Superstar and Evita. Evita because it deals with a sweeping historical subject, and it takes um, a political figure who was both loved and hated simultaneously and manages to humanize that person in such a way that at the end you see them as a real person but the playwright never makes a value judgment 
about whether that person was good or bad. They let the audience make that decision for themselves. So Evita is sort of the groundbreaking musical that gave him that piece of Hamilton. Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, if you sort of strip it down, is really about a group of marginalized people, people who feel like they're outside of a system struggling uh, to find their own voice. And it also is about somebody who starts out as a great friend of the protagonist who ends up becoming the villain of the piece and ultimately destroying the person who they originally loved. Again, a very strong string in Hamilton. Um, 1776, the other musical about the American Revolution, um, it romanticizes the founding fathers. It makes them kind of fun, interesting, quirky people. Um, Miranda specifically has said he needed to strip that away, and he makes these people much more gritty and real uh, and more accessible to us as a modern audience because we know that people aren't all happy and perky all the time. Uh, he tried to make the people much more complex. So he does quote, uh, 1776, and if you know the Hamilton score, there's a place where he says, sit down, John, you big expletive deleted, which is a direct quote from 1776. The big opening number is called, sit down, John. Um, and Hamilton hated John Adams, if you know anything about history. Really quickly, Rent um, is considered to be the spiritual soul sister of Hamilton. 20 years before Hamilton, it did exactly the same thing in the 90s that Hamilton is doing now. It catalyzed younger people to become engaged in the theater because it used contemporary music and it showed them on stage. It showed people, people that they could understand, marginalized people who felt like they were outside of a system struggling to either overthrow that system or to become part of that system. And some of them fail, some of them succeed, and some of them sell out to the system, as in Hamilton. Um, but I think uh, the most interesting piece for me uh, is uh, two Stephen Sondheim musicals that you probably don't know unless you're a musical theater geek uh, like I am. Uh, when uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda was writing the libretto to Hamilton, he uh, consulted with a man named John Weidman. John Weidman was the librettist for two Stephen Sondheim musicals. One is uh, Pacific Overtures, the other is Assassins. And he specifically uh, went to Weidman and said, talk to me about how you took these sweeping, epic, historical things and crafted them into a narrative that would work as a musical. So Weidman worked with Miranda. Um, the Pacific Overtures is about the forced opening of Japan to the West. So in that particular musical, Weidman worked with the concept of systemic racism, um, of Western imperialism, and of white male privilege. And he threw that into the context of a musical in such a way that it's entertaining and it's interesting and you walk away thinking, wow, that was, that was a lot. That was, some, that was a, a very big thing that happened. Um, but he manages to put it into a musical. Assassins, even more interestingly, is about all of the people who either successfully assassinated or attempted to assassinate American presidents. So it's a musical about outcasts of society who have no voice and no power and are struggling for voice and power um, and trying the best they can to get it. And so uh, Miranda was very excited by that concept when he was structuring Hamilton. So sort of putting it all together, what makes Hamilton, for me, um, a different musical and makes it so powerful is that it takes all of these things that have existed before, that other people have done, and puts them together in a way that's never been used before. So it's, 
not that the elements are new, it's that the way he uses those elements is incredibly smart and different and groundbreaking. Uh, who knew that you could write a musical like this about historical characters that we think of as being dry, uninteresting people? Uh, and he's made them visceral and real and exciting and accessible and forcing us to actually look at the issues from 200 years ago and decide for ourselves, are, there, are they different now or are they the same? Yeah, you bring up a couple of things that I definitely want to make sure that we hit on. One is that, of course, he's Lin-Manuel Miranda is very steeped in musical theater, but he's also a huge fan of rap music. It's what he grew up listening to. It's the, you know, the music he listens to when he's not putting together musical theater. And so I um, want to talk a little bit about the way he's integrated that into the musical and what that means for both both musically, how he integrates that, and then also what he does with those lyrics and how he uses the rhythm of rap to, to work in the language that he wants to work in. Yeah, so as Tommy mentioned, there are all these shout outs to this uh, musical, these musical traditions. So if you're looking at a Broadway audience who may be familiar with, with those musicals, um, you know, they're sitting there and they're hearing those references. But if you're a rap uh, aficionado or a hip hop person, there are um, even more kind of this, there's this treasure trove of, of references and um, quotations um, in, in his music. You know, so a hip hop audience or a rap audience um, is also going to be picking up on those. And it's a really inclusive way of kind of inviting um, a wider audience into into the musical and and you know telling people that this is for you um, you know it's not just a Broadway you know meant for Broadway audiences or typical Broadway audiences it's meant for a much wider um, more popular appeal um, and we have a clip of some of those um, that some of the moments in the musical that Lin-Manuel Miranda takes directly from different 90s rap songs. So it's just a minute and a half, I'll show it quickly, um, and then you guys can comment on that if you'd like. Okay, just a few examples of kind of the um, shout outs that Lin-Manuel Miranda put in the musical, but um, Genius, which is an annotation website for, I mean, all kinds of things. Um, people, fans, Lin-Manuel himself have been, you know, crafting annotations that point out all of those different connections, um, which has been very exciting. Um, one of the things that you mentioned, Natalie, about this bringing this to a wider audience, I think is really interesting. And I think there's a few different ways that we might look at the audience that Lin-Manuel Miranda is, is hoping to reach. Um, one, of course, is the Broadway audience. Um, but tomorrow you were talking about um, an article that you had been using in class that really spoke to questioning that, um, that audience, that Broadway audience, and who it's meant for. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, uh, first I'm just thinking about that clip. And in an, can you hear me? I hate this thing so close. <laughs> I was thinking about an article um, in the New York Times um, that I was reading, and uh, it says in the article, led by a cast of mostly black and Latino actors, Hamilton has already helped challenge the perception 
that Broadway's nickname as the Great White Way refers to the color of the actors on stage. And I think it's interesting to, well, one, obviously have the actors on stage, but just thinking about the clips and the music that um, Miranda is sort of giving a shout out to, it, to some degree, as I think about it, and I think about being a part of the generation of listening to some of that music, gives some validity to that voice. Um, I think oftentimes um, rap music is, you know, over the years has, to some degree, has been marginalized as kind of the, I don't know, black sheep or kind of that music that for some is inappropriate or um, too political or too harsh or too raw, but in many ways bringing it to Broadway, um, considered the great white way and having it, that, that voice and that language and that sound um, come out of the mouths of people of color really gives some validity um, to the music, which I think is very powerful. Mm -hmm. um, I also think that's um, probably why many people are, um, particularly young people, are interested um, in the musical itself. There was a second part to the question, which was, sorry. Oh, um, so what, how are audiences perceiving, or what are the audiences that, that are um, latching onto this? Um, how is that? Like who is Lin Manuel targeting, um, and then who is actually participating in watching and and becoming fans, and who is his audience? I guess. So, I think that people are interested in general, partly because it's it, it there's a it, in some ways it's different. It's new. It's bringing different people to the stage, but who can actually afford the tickets? And I think that's a problem <laughs> that, um, that people have talked about. I was uh, reading an article uh, to the students in, in my classes um, by an African American journalist who works for NPR, and he. Did not consider himself a musical fan, but he thought he needed to go see uh, Hamilton because everybody kept talking about how great it is. So he went to see the play, and of course he loved it. Um, but he looked around and realized he was one of the very few um, black or brown faces in the audience, and it was a mostly white audience. And so he's sort of tackling with this issue of, yes, this is a great play. Yes, it does bring a different voice to the Broadway stage. But are we still? Um, living, you know, sort of in a, in a space where only the elite, and it's not necessarily white, it's just people who can afford it, can actually go to the play. Um, and Manuel does talk about that partially, you know, it, it, it's, it, well, mostly it's Broadway itself. It has nothing to do with Lin-Manuel. He really, you know, has created avenues for um, people to see the play that wouldn't otherwise be able to see it, but the reality is it's still Broadway, and I think there's really a class issue there, mm -hmm. um, which oftentimes is connected to race, but it really is, um, and I was talking to my students about this, how many of you consider yourself, or how many of you have been to Broadway plays? Was this something that you did in your family? Is this a part of your culture? And for most of us, that's not a part of what we do. It's a big deal if we actually go and shell out, you know, even $75 or $150 um, to go to a Broadway play. So it's not really an accessible part of most of our realities. Yeah, and I think it's interesting how he has managed to, or how Lin-Manuel Miranda has managed to connect with fans despite this disparity in who actually gets to see the play on Broadway. Um, Natalie, will you talk a little bit about some of the connections Lin-Manuel has made outside of the Broadway community? Uh, so first, he's very active on social media. He has a huge Twitter following, and he is tweeting almost constantly um, and sharing parts of his process and his thoughts and, um, you know, and sharing and, you know, really sharing the Hamilton universe um, with, with a larger audience um, through social media. Um, but he's also uh, created some, some public art um, in the form of a Ham for Ham show, which was uh, started as part of a lottery um, for tickets on Broadway. So before every show, there would be uh, a lottery um, that 
anyone could enter and then the, those tickets were only $10. Um, and as part of that, so a lot of people, of course, would not win. Um, but to not send people away empty-handed, um, various members of the cast and Lin-Manuel Miranda and guest stars would come out and do snippets from the show or mashups or other performances um, as a way of also engaging with audiences. Yeah, I, th I think um, you know, what it's, it's, I've always found it fascinating since this became such a phenomenon. And if you think about it, um, Hamilton's only been on Broadway for just barely a year. So this is this is new. This is something that happened fast and, and strongly. Um, I d I've been fascinated by this dichotomy that Broadway is a business. It's a big business. And the ticket prices for Hamilton are ridiculous. I mean, I, I would love to see it, but I'm not paying $1,000 for a ticket, which is what the scalpers are getting for tickets even in Chicago these days. Um, so I, I feel like it's an interesting dichotomy that, that the, some of the people who really would benefit the most from seeing this cannot see the show easily. Some of them do get in with the lottery. But in general, we're aiming at, um, in, a, in essence, kind of a traditional Broadway audience. But on the other hand, I think that's a good thing because some of these people that have the resources to see it, that go see things just because it's Broadway, are being impacted by this musical because it's unlike anything that they've ever seen and it's forcing them to think and it's forcing them to rethink what they think about hip hop and rap music and about race and about pretty much everything political. And one of the things that's the most powerful about this show for me is, is Miranda's conscious choice to um, to fill the stage with people of color and fold those people back into a narrative from which they are excluded, uh, were excluded historically and are still excluded in many ways. So he's making a very powerful um, uh, choice to talk about race and class and prejudice and white male privilege um, in a very interesting artistic way that gets the point across without being in your face about it. Yeah, one of the things, one of the reasons why this musical I think works really well is because we can connect it to so many interesting themes. And I'd love to hear a little bit more um, from tomorrow and tomorrow and um, Natalie about um, the ways the the play addresses those social issues or what social issues might come out of a watching or listening to this um, that you can connect with or you find interesting. Well, first, just adding to your, your point about people not being able to see it, the upside is the um, fascinating part of this musical is the music itself, and all of us can access that. So that mm -hmm. it's kind of nice to hear people actually listening to it in their cars or listening to it in their headphones, which y you don't typically see with uh, musicals in general unless you're like Tommy, right, a musical person, and you're listening to all the, <laughs> the soundtracks. So it's nice that it's accessible in that way. And if that's the only way that people are able to access it, they're getting a whole lot, right, the, yeah. um, from the musical itself. So that's nice. Um, I think there are a lot of social issues that are raised. And I find it interesting listening to the songs and reading the lyrics, the parallels in the struggles of Hamilton and also the parallels um, to the, the the parallels to the struggles of um, people in, in urban areas, mm -hmm. um, particularly people of color, um, and even some of the play with the language alludes to that. Some of the songs allude to that. Um, the the dynamics between characters and the kind of the battling right that that you get. Um, in the historical um, uh, dialogue, but also that dialogue that's happening today on the on, in many, on the streets of many of our urban areas, including Chicago. Um, so I think it's it's 
um, troubling, one, that we're, we're, we're talking about those struggles, but it's somewhat refreshing that those issues are raised on a platform that is, um, uh, that, that has um, a credibility, that has a history that people listen to, that people are paying attention to. I think the, um, uh, the musical also never lets us forget that Hamilton is an immigrant. Um, we're constantly reminded of his immigrant status and sort of um, that he's outside of this sort of inside insider political um, scene, um, you know, that he's different from Washington and Jefferson and Madison. Um, we get that through just the introduction of him as an immigrant coming to this country and his background. Um, but we also get uh, musical references, little, it tends to be pretty subtle, but um, Afro-Caribbean beats and rhythms that um, pop up occasionally and sort of remind us that he is this sort of outsider and, you know, he's um, uh, really has to fight a lot harder to um, to make it and to to achieve what he's going after. Yeah, I always get really excited when I'm listening to the song My Shot, which if you guys have listened to it, um, know that it's a really long song that part of its introduction of characters, part of its Hamilton, like kind of stating his um, reason for being in the Americas and like his goals and aspirations. But at some point the song shifts and becomes both, I think, kind of a call to action to the colonies, but it's also um, a reflection on the struggles that Hamilton has had, which could be struggles that many, as, um, as you pointed out, um, are struggles that are in, that we're facing in many areas now. Um, and really, this call to action, like we, we have to rise up, we have to do something about it. This is our protest song. Um, and I think it's exciting to have something on Broadway that, that yes, often our wealthy white audiences sitting down and watching, but really connecting it to this call for action and connecting the American Revolution to not just this historical moment in time, but also to the things that are happening today, the protest movements that are, that are happening around our country, around immigration status, around race. Um, and really calling those out and saying, this has been part of our history, this need to recognize social change and the need for, for movement forward instead of the status quo, um, which I find really exciting. You know, one of the things that has uh, always excited me about this score is um, his exploration of the concept of, of historical narrative, uh, that, that there's no way for us to really know what exactly happened and so the question is, who writes the story? Who writes the narrative? And he explores this explicitly in Hamilton, especially towards the end, uh, where um, the, they're trying to, different characters are trying to figure out how they can tell their version of the story and make it the historical story. Um, and there's a wonderful song uh, called the, the Room Where It Happens that Burr sings that's a, a moment where he was an insider and now suddenly he feels like an outsider and he wants to write himself into the story. He wants people to know his side of the story. He wants to get in, uh, and he can't. And you notice in that clip that we saw, um, as their characters are being introduced, that he's remembered in history as the guy who shot Alexander Hamilton. Nobody remembers anything else that he did because he was not successful in being able to rewrite 
that narrative in such a way that people got to see his side of the issue. And I think Miranda does a great job in this score of not making decisions, as I said earlier, about who's right and who's wrong and who's good and who's bad. He just puts it all out there and makes them real human people and lets you decide what you think about them. I think that there are also some um, interesting parallels, especially with that song. It's kind of this revolutionary song and asking people to rise up. I think people on any side of the political spectrum today can hear that and and that could really resonate with whatever those views are, which is interesting for me. As I, as I listen to it, and I've listened to it a lot, um, I can hear voices, like current voices in my head about different issues that are going on and reasons why groups want change. Mm. Um, so there, uh, and I don't know how much of that, well, it probably is intentional, or how many of that, how much of that is actually a coincidence of what's happening during our um, political time period, but I, but I certainly think it is, um, it could be looked at as a call to action to, to almost any of us, right? Right, and that is interesting that it could be, like anyone can mm -hmm. kind of grab onto that as, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, are there any particular parallels in the election that's happening right now um, or anything specific that you want to or have made uh, connections mm. to or? Without getting too political. <laughs> Without getting too <laughs> political. <laughs> or well, I just think it's really uh, interesting that, um, you know, the conversations that they're having in these rap battles, um, you know, there are so many parallels to the conversations that we are having in our political arena right now. Um, you know, what should the role of government be, and and what should our our uh, strategy be for dealing with um, conflict outside of the United States? Um, so, you know, we've been asking these questions for a really long time, and it's I think it helps make the musical resonate even more that we're still asking those questions today. Definitely, that government and democracy are complex and hard. Yeah. I just want to quickly read a quote from a um, Yale professor who um, studied Hamilton um, for many years and had done some research. And actually, um, uh, some words from her book are quoted in um, one of the songs in Hamilton. But she was asked uh, why she remained so interested in Alexander Hamilton for so many years in her research. And I think this is part of the reason why we're interested in this story. She says, I've stayed interested in Hamilton not because he was a standard issue hero, but because of his complications. He was self-destructive, had a highly problematic personality, and was often extreme in his politics. I don't like hero history. It does the study of history a disservice on a thousand different levels. It's far more interesting to study complicated people and the history that helped to shape it. And I think as an audience, as humans, we like flawed people. We like to look at you know, th these sort of stories that could be us, right, in, mm -hmm. in our own flaws. And, and so there's a connection, I think, um, that all of us can sort of make. And speaking sort of to the last question, I think both political figures in many ways <laughs> that are running today are flawed people and, and problematic, and that's part of the problem, right? We're trying to figure out with these two figures um, what to do. Yep, very much echoes of what was happening back in Alexander Hamilton's day. And I think speaking of flawed characters and just, you know, part, I think one of the compelling things about this musical of course, is all of the political conversations that are happening, Alexander's actual life, but there's a lot of like personal storytelling too. So there's the connections that he has with his eventual wife, um, his wife's sister, um, his mistress. 
So there's sex and love and all of the complications of real life um, outside of our political connections. Um, and I have to say, like, that's fascinating, like that that gets woven in so well. Um, and those songs are like great pop love songs um, are just really exciting. One of the things that, uh, that occurred to me when I was thinking about this panel, and it's maybe getting a little too symbolic, but um, the concept of dueling that mm -hmm. happens mm -hmm. in this show, which is v incredibly important to the narrative of the story, obviously. There's, there's uh, um, horrible things that happen because of dueling. I think we have the habit today of looking at something like that and saying, oh, well, you know, that's a carryover from you know, the Middle Ages. That's an old thing. Um, we're more civilized today. But when you break it down, what a duel is, is two people looking at each other saying, you irritate me, therefore you have no d right to live. <laughs> you, I don't like you, therefore you should die. Um, Parent write down. So hello, I think that we're still seeing that today because the current pol political narrative going on in the United States today is um, I disagree with you, therefore you are wrong. Not let's talk about it or let's compromise. Um, let's destroy each other because we don't agree with each other. And so sadly, I think that this is still going on. It's just, and sometimes it's going on with guns and going on with missiles and with knives or whatever. Some of, sometimes it is about death. So I think that one of the powerful things about the show is that he's forcing us to see these people that we looked at as being these sort of removed historical people that aren't really real to us. And he's put them on stage and made them very real and made them look like a diverse society like we are. And we haven't really talked about Aaron Burr very much on this panel, but he's such a significant part of this musical that that he is kind of the kind of centerpiece um, or that the, the piece that Alexander keeps moving around and coming in contact with and kind of the eventual cause of Alexander's downfall um, and I had a great question to go along with that too um, so <laughs> thoughts on Burr like he's this complex interesting character in this musical what what does he bring to this conversation more than just oh this is the, the story of Alexander Hamilton, like what do we what do we do with Burr in this context? Well, I think it's um, a, just a fascinating study of contrasts where Hamilton is this fiery, headstrong, um, impatient character, and Burr is cool, calm, and collected, and he's uh, biding his time and waiting for his opening. Um, Hamilton constantly is rushing in and Burr is showing restraint. So there may be a lesson there. <laughs> right. And I think that, you know, the, the story would be, I mean, it would still be interesting, but it would be far less interesting without Burr because he does show us so many different things, like you said, a different sort of different personality. And a lot of people, musical historians, have looked at this score and really compared Aaron Burr to Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar because he follows a similar trajectory in his character. Two people are great friends and then one ends up betraying the other and gets painted forever as the villain of the piece. And so you have these iconic characters that you don't see as real human beings sometimes because of the way history has painted them. So I think it's kind of nice that Aaron Burr is getting his sort of time on stage here because historically when we study the revolution, all we learn is he's the guy that shot Alexander Hamilton. Unless you delve really deeply, uh, you don't learn more about his complications. So I think it's important that he's in the show. 
I, I kind of tying into that, I think one of my favorite uh, songs in, in the musical is uh, My Theodosia, which is just a very humanizing moment. It happens right at the end of Act One. And um, in, this, in the story, um, Burr and Hamilton have both become parents for the first time, and they're singing about their children, but they're also singing about you know, the birth of America. And uh, it really gives us an opportunity to see them as humans and to see, you know, to see these qualities um, and really their commonality. Um, and then, of course, it's all downhill after that. <laughs> but it, it's really a very nice moment that, that kind of brings those two together. And they're, they're more similar than they are different. We only have about five minutes left. So I was going to see if people had questions. If you have questions, raise your hand and I'll bring you the microphone. And it can be about the musical itself, why we, if you have other questions about why we chose it as the one book. Yeah. Okay. Here, hang on, I'm coming. We can't hear you. Oh, wait, that's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, so, when you guys are like studying the play and everything, do they say how like Hamilton would write like the rap part? Did he involve did he involve like musical notes or did he like sync it to the music or did he just kind of like what most hip hop musicians do, which is sort of just like write the words and just put it over the beat? Um, so Lin Manuel Miranda has talked a little bit about his musical process. Um, he tends to use a, like a voice recorder and he'll sing to himself. He also has. Um, a notebook that he's constantly scribbling lyrics and ideas in. Um, so he does uh, kind of sing out the melodies and the um, general ideas and shapes for his for his songs. Um, but he also works with an orchestration partner, Alex Lacamoire, who's uh, pretty integral to this to the process of um, creating the musical. So he does the orchestrations and really um, kind of figures out what instruments are going to be. Uh, playing what parts and and how to evoke the the mood of a song, um, so it's it's there's definitely a bit of teamwork there. Um, Did you want to say something else? He also worked with the biography, um, the actual biography that was written as well. And a lot of the words are taken from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uses some direct quotes and mm -hmm. and really draws on the Ron Chernow. Alexander Hamilton biography. Yeah, he does, and like you said, he uh, draws a lot out of um, traditional rap music. He pulls direct quotes, and then he's also pulled direct quotes out of other Broadway musicals and thrown them in, including his own musical in The Heights. So he, he's pulling from a lot of different sources. So like, like a really good rap artist, a lot of times you're going to take pieces of other things, other poems or songs or whatever, and figure out a way to put them together. But you, if you pay really close attention, you'll hear those little moments and go, hey, wait, I recognize that. You'll know where it came from. One of the things that I'm excited about, the way the musical is kind of taking on this whole life of its own outside of Broadway, is that um, so uh, Questlove and Black Thought from The Roots produced um, the Hamilton musical soundtrack. But then they are also producing this mixtape that's a bunch of artists who are either remixing or kind of doing new songs inspired by the musical, and that's gonna be coming out in the next month or so. Okay. So it's a whole new way to kind of think about the musical and the influence it's had on different artists. And that collection of artists is pretty incredible. I mean, I feel like it's people who are actually making music right now and you know, mm -hmm. uh, that 
most of you would probably recognize. Um, so I'm excited about that, like actually connecting with the generation instead of just 90s rap, it's actually bringing it into present day. Yes, Natalie. Uh, so I also wanted to share, um, if you aren't aware, um, of course, Hamilton is in Chicago starting next week, um, but tickets are expensive and hard to come by. But there is going to be a digital lottery before every performance um, that's free to enter. You, you enter it every day um, through the Broadway in Chicago Hamilton website. Um, and they're giving away 44 tickets at every performance that are going to be only $10. Um, so if you're interested in seeing the musical, I would encourage you to try and enter the lottery, um, enter it every day, and hopefully you'll get a chance to see it. And you can Google Hamilton Lottery, it'll take you right to the page. Any other questions before we go? I just wanted to give a plug to the October 13th panel. So Dr. Craig Rosen, who's standing in the back, and I, on October the 13th, will be doing a panel specifically talking about the history of Broadway musicals and how Hamilton fits into uh, that history of Broadway musicals. So if you're interested in musicals, please come on out at 11 o'clock on October the 13th. Is that Yes, October the 13th. And we have many more events related to all of the various themes. So in addition to that Broadway-focused one, we also have one on Hamilton and the use of language. Um, which is going to be a number of our calm and lit faculty talking about how language is used within the musical, which is pretty extraordinary. And then also I want to plug, it, this is not a moment, it's the movement, taking action for positive change. So we see Hamilton um, changing the course of the country by you know, acting in the Revolutionary War. How can we make change in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our communities today? And there will be faculty and staff talking about what they're doing in their own backyards, basically, to, to change the world for the better. Um, so lots of exciting things going on. Thank you, panelists. And please come back to more events. How about a round of applause? Thank you guys.